I, I thought it was like six weeks. Uh, not that I, I don't have a crystal ball or anything, but I, I still think that there's no reason why this hasn't already happened. I think it's imminent that somebody puts these pieces together to uh, execute a large scale. I'm, I'm waiting for the, the New York Times headline that says uh, 10% of all American companies with a website uh, have been owned by a single actor. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to AI Unchained. This is episode three. We are diving into the dark side of AI with Alex Lewin. Um, this started with a conversation at Bitcoin 2023 with a number of people who are diving down the AI rabbit hole and uh, particularly someone who has a cybersecurity perspective on this. Uh, I, I had to have, as soon as we started talking, we sat down um, out in the food court and we just chatted for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. And I was like, this has to happen. We have to, we have to do this on the show and we got to talk about the implications here. Because I think people, and he, he agrees that like, people are ignoring this. And because it's uncomfortable, because it's really, really hard to face. And that is the exact wrong approach. And I agree with him. And I, so I think it is not merely an interesting conversation. It is not merely a fascinating development. It is an important conversation. So that is what we are diving into. Uh, thank you. Do not forget to subscribe to AI Unchained if you want to stay up on this. And we will be covering a lot of videos specifically about how to get into some of these tools um, because I've been playing around more and more on running these locally and I, I, I want to be able to do that so I can share that with you guys. So uh, follow this channel if you want to stay up on that. We are going to be covering it all. Um, with that, let's get into today's chat. Today's conversation with Alex Lewin on the dark side of AI. All right. Welcome back to AI Unchained. This is episode three with Alex Lewin. We are getting into the dark side of AI. What is up, man? Welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, guy. Uh, doing well. Uh, excited to talk to you. Yeah, man. So we had a really interesting conversation. Um, so Ben actually got us in touch at Bitcoin 2023 because he was, he, he and I were actually had gone down the night before, gone down this rabbit hole talking about, you know, the, the good, the bad, the everything in between of AI. And, uh, and apparently he bumped into, did y'all know each other beforehand? Yeah, we worked together. Oh, oh, okay. Shit. Um, uh, but, uh, he immediately was like, oh my God, Alex, you got to talk. You got to talk to Alex. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to love, hate this conversation really bad. <laughs> Sorry. So, well, I'm glad he connected us very much so because it's gotten me, uh, it's gotten me going down like a thought process on uh, trying to unravel what the consequences of all of this are going to be. And you know, what, what things are going to look like at, at the other side of three to five years, um, because regardless, I think, and I assume that you would completely agree that things are going to be very, very, very different than what they are now. Um, yeah. Uh, so maybe how about just start off by telling me who you are, 
what do you do? Because we only very briefly got into that. And, um, and what kind of got you attached to this to the point that like you've just consumed a lot of your time in, in going down this thread? Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, so my name's Alex. Uh, I'm a software engineer. I, I work on Lightning at a company called Blockspaces. Um, but recently, as, as a hobby, I've been diving into the world of the open source development of uh, tools using uh, large language models, um, and specifically from the lens of, of cybersecurity and offensive security. Uh, so in college, uh, I, I was studying cybersecurity, and I thought I was going to go into cybersecurity um, and then switched over to like just generic software engineering. But I've kind of retained that, um, I don't know, that, that like gene of, of looking at stuff from a how to break it for first lens. Um, that perspective. Which yeah. 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 Which is definitely helpful uh, developing software. Um, but uh, anywho, so like I'm watching uh, or I, I get sucked into the chat GPT um, hype craze like everybody else does. Um, and I find a project called Auto GPT. Uh, and we can talk more about AutoGPT specifically, but um, I, I'm kind of obsessed with the application of AutoGPT for offensive security, um, and and that's what's been keeping me up at nights uh, for the past <laughs> month or so. So, all right. Um, so for offensive security, why don't you for for those in the audience, why don't you give a breakdown of what you mean exactly by those words? Yeah. So uh, in the cybersecurity world, uh, there's um, maybe a good way to explain this is, uh, there, there's two teams on every cybersecurity, uh, on and every cybersecurity department at a company, um, with just, this is a simplification, obviously, but, um, there, there's basically two teams. There's the, a red team and a blue team, and it's, it comes from Halo. There, there's an attack team and a defense team. Uh, the, the red team is, plays the role of the, uh, malicious hacker, and they try to find uh, the vulnerabilities of a system, and the blue team tries to stop them. And together, the, the, the goal is that both teams working cooperatively together, or, or, or I guess adversarially together, um, they create very robust and um, anti-fragile systems. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. Uh, offensive security is specifically talking about the red team side, um, the, the attackers, um, and, and simulating the, the role of, of malicious, malicious hackers. All right. Uh, maybe we haven't really dug into, I, mean, I haven't specifically dug into auto GT, GPT on, uh, on this show either. So just in case people are unfamiliar with it, why don't you kind of give me a breakdown of that? And is that open source or is that just a... Yeah, auto GPT is completely open source. Um, Interesting. So, okay. Yeah, to, to get some background, uh, if everybody here has listening has definitely tried uh, ChatGPT, um, but if for anybody that's tried it, you know that you're kind of leading this incredibly smart sheep around. You're the shepherd. You know you have to figure out what you want to, to prompt out of ChatGPT, and you. It's similar to working with like a very very junior uh, junior employee at a company. It's that they're incredibly capable. They the it can do a lot, but you have to lay out very specifically what you want. And if your instructions aren't clear, then it's going to deviate uh, from the overall mission. It's not very. It's not able to inherently intuit where you're wanting it to go. Uh, you have to tell it exactly where to go. It's getting better at that, but it's for right now, it's a very intelligent sheep and you're leading it around. Um, Auto GPT plays the role of the shepherd and leads ChatGPT around to a higher level goal. So like, what does that mean? Uh, Auto GPT takes a high level goal, 
breaks it down into steps and launches individual instances of auto GPT to accomplish each of the steps. Uh, like the quintessential example of this is like, I want is the quintessential prompt that they, they've been using to explain the project is uh, I want you to uh, do market research. So if, if you ask ChatGPT to do market research, it's not going to do a very good job. But if you ask AutoGPT to do market research, then it's going to first uh, create a bunch of steps and it's going to look up what is market research on the internet. So, yeah, so it can access the internet. Uh, it pulls down a summary and digests the summary uh, of market research into, and then it transforms that into like five steps. Okay, first I need to look up all of the companies. Let's say I'm, I'm doing market research for a shoe company. Uh, first, I'm going to look up uh, a list of uh, potential candidate competitors uh, in, in the shoe the shoe industry. Uh, I'm going yeah. to uh, collect data on those companies and aggregate them to a table. I'm going to create a bunch of evaluation metrics to compare those different companies, and then I'm going to uh, spit out the results uh, in a fancy in a nice uh, PDF, something like that. Gotcha. Then, okay. in order, it launches a new instance of AutoGPT to accomplish each of those tasks in order. Yeah. And, and so, it will basically take the results. So it's kind of a meta, uh, a meta G GPT in the fact that it's chat GPT does certain individual tasks. And this is a way to put those individual tasks together and figure out which tasks need to happen in order to continue an entire process to create a, a larger task that's actually just a combination of many. You know, it's like how you break down any project, right? You break down into small steps that you can manage. Um, this, is the, this is the system that breaks it down into steps and figures out what needs to be done. And then chat GPT, or still auto GPT, but the, the, the normal LLM, the normal language model, does each individual task, and then this one puts them together. Um, yeah, precisely. I mean, it, okay. it's the shepherd guiding the really smart sheep. Yeah. Uh, and it's spawning more sheep that have specific tasks. And, and then it aggregates the results into something um, that, I mean, if, if it, you, you touched on this, it resembles like a manager managing employees. Yeah. It's like they have an so idea of a you, high level thing. Yeah. They bring you become the, the owner. They're the manager. And now you just tell the manager what to do. You're not, you're, we're already past the just like, piece by piece telling the employee what to do and where to managers. And how quick did this kind of unfold? How quick did, at least in what you had seen, did this move from like, oh yeah, Chad GPT to here to, oh, now we have language models to control and build tasks for language models. Like, yeah. I mean, when did Chad GPT drop? Like December? I think that sounds, that sounds right. I don't know. The, short, um, the timelines on all of this stuff is so short. Yeah. Um, so AutoGPT started being worked on around April and it's really taken okay. off like, yeah, early. Have you been April. using it a lot personally? Uh, yeah. Like uh, I was obsessed for like two weeks when I first found it. Um, and it, development's been insane. Like uh, the amount of ideas people have like uh, to, to make it more, I mean, robust and actually effective. Like, like for, for a while, people were pretty bearish on the idea just because it wasn't very performance, but um, mm -hmm. It's getting better, and now it's actually yeah, it take much. being yeah. able to, to to fulfill what it's promising. Um, but yeah, it, it's getting insanely complex, and people have ideas about how to organize this org organization structure um, and allocate resources to efficiently uh, accomplish high level tasks. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of frightening how fast it's growing and how fast yeah. it's going. Yeah, there's. Um, I also saw something that 
in fact, this was like yesterday. It was like last night. It was the first time I came across it. It's so crazy. Like I come across things faster than I can actually read what the hell they are. Um, but there was one uh, tra- train of thought or something, I think it is. But it's mm-hmm. it's something, it's, it's kind of like what I got from it um, was it's kind of like a Laura for stable diffusion is that it's this specific modification that gets it to think about all the things that it already knows in like a certain sort of hierarchy. And it's trying to give it reasoning skills. It's trying mm-hmm. to create like a reasoning structure so that it can make sense of like what the best decision is and, and like think about like, Oh, well this is actually a contradiction. Um, and, uh, and apparently the results, or at least the, the, the little group or whatever, the, the two responses, or whatever, yeah, we're playing around with it and the results are really incredible so far. Um, so again, like the, the number of layers we can add to this, because I, I feel like we've kind of created this, this simplistic model for the idea of intelligence or the idea of creating some sort of pattern or skill, some reputable, uh, repeatable skill into a piece of software, into an algorithm. And then it's like, oh shit, we can stack these on top of each other. And then it's immediately like, boom, boom, boom. Like, like, like we're, we're aggressively going through. It's very much like creating one piece of software or one, like the internet, like, oh, now we can change ship data back and forth. It's like, oh wait, we can use do media. We can do images. We can do text. We can do email. Like, like it just, yeah. like, we're just like, fuck. And it just like blows up and gets so big and complex so fast. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not at all dissimilar, like it, okay, it's, it's similar to software, like as you as you put it, but it's also very similar to like trainings, like a a student with like a college a education, yeah. yeah, yeah, or or like you, you give them skills and then you talk mm-hmm. to them, or then you teach them other skills and then you show how the skills relate and then sooner or later they're doing uh, incredibly complicated problems that require uh, a variety of skill sets and and orchestrating all of what they know into this cohesive package, um, and yeah, it's it's starting to resemble the real world quickly for good or for good or worse um for good or bad um so there's always that risk that your student is uh you know the one that turns into darth vader as you teach him the force so to speak um and so in that context you said this is what you were losing sleep over um is auto gpt the main tool that that you've interacted with that has gotten you concerned about the idea. And this is something we mentioned in yesterday's episode already or just in passing. It's the idea of AI malware um, of, of language models with the goal of internet destruction, <laughs> with the goal of getting into every network out there. Why don't you kind of lay out the thesis or the big picture and maybe, maybe also the beginnings of what we have seen in this regard so far. Yeah, sure thing. So um, talked about AutoGPT, the goal is to make, uh, to accomplish high level tasks without having to worry about it. What if the high level task is something malicious? Like the high level task could be, uh, I mean, okay, first, a more innocuous one. Uh, my high level task is to do a vulnerability assessment on a given server. So mm-hmm. to the internet, I want you to do a vulnerability assessment, uh, just as a penetration tester would do. Uh, companies all the time, they hire an individual to, to basically knock on the door and, and uh, do a, a cyber penetration test, which is part of the red team, um, and give them back a document, um, like a PDF document of all of the, the vulnerabilities so that they can fix them. 
Well, now you can ask a robot to do that. <laughs> so, okay, I, I want you to do a penetration task. Uh, and also, yeah, we're, this already kind of works uh, with, with AutoGPT. Uh, you, you can ask it to do a penetration test. Uh, there's a, I have a prompt for a penetration test for GPT. Um, mm -hmm. And this, this already works. Um, take it a step further. Uh, actually, after the show, if you don't mind sharing that with me, I would love to run this on my local machine and just kind of play around with it myself, especially yeah. if this is going to be the environment we're going into. I would love to penetration test my network. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, all good. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have, I have a growing list of scary prompts. Um, okay, so, so penetration test or GPT uh, is more innocuous, but take it a step further. Uh, what if your high-level goal isn't just to do a vulnerability analysis assessment, but uh, I want you to, uh, the, the high-level goal could be, um, I want you to perform the vulnerability analysis and now use what you find to execute some uh, attack against the server. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you start piecing it together. Um, it's like, I want you to find vulnerabilities and then rank order the vulnerabilities that you find in terms of the most effective and, uh, highest probability of success to, uh, gain privileged access to, to some server or, or to, to pwn a server. Um, and then I want you to execute that vulnerability. And once you're in, I want you to, for example, uh, launch ransomware or find sensitive information on servers and exfiltrate that to a source um, and, and just meddle around. Or, or I want you to find a vulnerability and then stop the service from, uh, or take the service offline or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, now you have th this tool that can do the job of an experienced, uh, highly paid uh, offensive security engineer. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that's, you know, there's hackers, hackers already exist, but what, what's yeah. the problem? Well, now you have like a piece of software where it's, uh, infinitely scalable. You know, I can say, uh, okay, take it, take the prompt even a step further. So we talked about penetration tester GPT. We've talked about red teamer GPT or, or hacker GPT targeted at one server. The, the last rung on the ladder is I want you to be a cyber pirate. GPT. And I want you to scour the internet for vulnerable servers and get, you can give it a, a toolkit and find vulnerable servers and basically do the, the first two steps on any of the vulnerable servers that you find. And the high level goal can be something like, I want you to maximize the amount of Bitcoin that shows up in this wallet. <laughs> and I want you to be creative yes. about how you, how you find Bitcoin, but here's a few examples of how you could find it. Uh, holding sensitive information uh, as hostage, uh, ransomware. It can basically take advantage of all the tools that are already out there. Like, like, like rather than, and it could even make an assessment of its target too, in the sense that, um, like, there's ransomware out there. There's you know fake, literal fake kidnapping you know like if you're if we're talking about like you can integrate tools where you can create recreate somebody's voice how easy would it be for someone to create an auto gpt that called anybody in my family and sounded exactly like me you know i've got yeah, so, so that's like, like that's straight another, terminator shit yeah. you know well th that's another whole branch of the scare okay so we're right now up until this point we've we're, just about, uh, we're just getting started we're just getting started this is gonna be great guys you're gonna love it you're gonna you're gonna yeah, want to shoot so yourself this is, this is about <laughs> half of the 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 stuff to to uh, freak you out um, so far. It, it's just just like thinking about like uh, 
automated attacks uh, and the, the idea of scaling the, the, the role of an experienced red team uh, to, uh, uh, to, to every company in the world at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so okay. That, that's the one. That's the one thing. Yeah, before hackers were bottlenecked by the number of people and, and their attention spans. Uh, now, you need one trigger man at a push of a button. With and you can int the the other the crazy thing about that is that you can essentially infinitely replicate it, like in the sense that you can part of its goal can be to re reproduce itself on any server it gets into, and start the process, initiate the process all over again from it from this new computer's perspective which might have different access rights and be in a completely different location than yeah where the original I mean, one is running from like the, the first step in like you, okay so how auto gpt works is that you give it like a name uh which is like a penetration tester gpt uh cyber pirate gpt something like that uh, market market uh researcher gpt <laughs> then you give it a high level mission which is just mm -hmm. like a you know english saying i want you to accomplish this and then you give it a number of uh, goals, specific goals, um, and that helps guide its like first uh, like step by step process. Like I want you to create a list of companies. Uh, I want you to or create a list of uh, exploitable servers. I want you to rank their their exploits, and then I want you to exfiltrate the attack, and then acquire Bitcoin at the address, and then terminate something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, you you can give it specific tools to use for each of those steps, like. Um, like how, uh, so, okay, th th these, I'm, I'm about to list tools that um, are, are completely in the public domain and, and have been used for, for decades uh, to do cybersecurity work um, that every mm -hmm. person in, in the industry is aware of. Um, so for, for, uh, for exploration, for, for, okay, so the first step is, is discover these vulnerable servers. Um, you know, that they're the, the first thing that everybody does uh, when you're uh, footprinting a new server is port scanning. Mm -hmm. so you, you basically send a bunch of TCP traffic and you see what the responses are. And from that, you can glean operating system information. You can glean, uh, uh, you, you can understand which services ports are open. They're running. Yeah, services yeah. running on, on the thing. Um, and, and the number one tool that people use is Nmap. There's another tool called MassScan. MassScan is basically mm -hmm. Nmap. Nmap you know, scans uh, all 65,000 ports, and it scans it in a few minutes if you're running it from a laptop. MassScan is designed to do the same thing, but at the scale of the internet. So if you if you throw a ton of compute resources at MassScan, you can, mm -hmm. according to, to the MassScan docs, you can scan the entire internet in five minutes. It sends millions of requests a second. Dude, the shit. Seriously. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, Dude, so that's, that's crazy. How people I had get, no idea. Yeah, that's how people get information about. Uh, I'm assuming I'm not. I don't have anything to prefer this. I'm, I assume this is how uh, uh, a lot of like the crawlers work uh, yeah. and how they get uh, really detailed uh, like network graphs um, mm -hmm. of, of the whole internet. They use stuff like MassScan. Okay, well, now I want to say with my red teaming GPT instance, I want you to use mass scan to do uh, port discovery. Well, it turns out um, people are making uh, plugins to um, all of these tools so that ChatGPT will understand how to interface with these tools. Uh, have you seen that there's a, a demo? Um, okay, so recently OpenAI has... Uh, now, or they, they've released into beta a plugin architecture for, for ChatGPT. Uh, have you played around with this? Plugin for ChatGPT. Nope, I haven't. I'll make a note it's, for it. It's, it's awesome. Um, there is a demo that came out maybe a month ago now of uh, before, okay, initially all of the plugins, it was just like a list of whitelist companies that were making special plugins to test this architecture. 
Um, yeah. And one of those companies, now it's open source. Now anybody can create a plugin. But uh, for this demo, it was uh, Wolfram Alpha. Uh, have okay. you heard of Wolfram Alpha? It's, uh, yeah, it rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, so like they, they, uh, it's like a math computation platform. Like mm-hmm. They have a bunch of data sets, and, and their platform is very good at uh, solving complex math Based, like math-based problems, like in, in chemistry right. and and stuff like that, like like calculus, and, and it breaks every problem down to steps and solves those steps. Well, they created a ChatGPT plugin. What does that mean? ChatGPT with that plugin knows what kind of questions Wolfram Alpha can answer well, and kind of outsources those kind of tasks to Wolfram Alpha. Gotcha. So, for example, so it's it's uh, like yeah. so so it's pretty much similar to like. If your operating system, this is this is why I think the the most interesting way to think about AI as an interface is that I think it's more about replacing the mouse and the keyboard than it is running like DaVinci Resolve Studio or something like that. Because yeah, what it's doing is it's able to make sense of which software to use. Like like the language models suck at calcul- basic calculation or like tricky word problems. But if you have something like Wolfram Alpha or a calc- like just the calculator app, and it knows that in these certain situations or with this certain wording or this certain thought process or whatever, oh, I need the calculator here, they can just get the inputs, the, the relevant inputs in the relationship, stick it in the calculator, and then just take the answer rather than trying to use the language model for that. The language model figures out what needs to be used to make it work, right? Am I yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Properly, and, and, yeah, a hundred percent. And that's not at all different to how you know human brains kind of work. That's not how. That's exactly right. That's exactly it's like the right. language. That's what we is do. what ties everything together. Like the your mm-hmm. your your Bernicke's or whatever the the part of your brain that does the Bernicke's complex is the okay. Part yeah, of your brain yeah, that I know what you're talking about. language. Yeah, that's and amazing. and it connects. Yeah. It's the glue between your like prefrontal cortex and. and I'm going to get this. I'm going to butcher this, but like your hippocampus. The brain parts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's able to translate a a language of computation that part of your brain handles into the language that another part of your brain handles. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you can visualize something, describe it and think critically about the thing that you're visualizing all in one cohesive form. And you do that through natural language. Um, Yeah. Well, okay, thinking about the large language models, exactly how you, you described it. You have interfaces and you have these specialized tools like Wolfram Alpha, that's your math brain. And you have the language model that understands the kind of problems that your math brain is able to solve, formats that into Wolfram Alpha language, which it literally does. It, it, it can format uh, queries in Wolfram Alpha's like proprietary language, send that off to Wolfram Alpha, get the result, and then use that result in a higher level thinking, higher level uh process or, or uh, task. Um, yeah. So back to the scary <laughs> stuff. Um, so that's, that's the plugin architecture. That's the plugin architecture. Well, now mm-hmm. you can have a high, high, uh, high level task. Like I want you to scour the internet for, for uh, vulnerable servers. And I can understand that this hacker tool exists or this, this red teaming tool, uh, cybersecurity tool exists to do that exact thing. And then it can use that tool get the results back and interpret what that means for the higher level task, which okay. is precisely how engineers yeah. think and engineers work. They understand what kind of task tools can be useful for. They mm-hmm. use the tool for that thing. And then they use the output of that to inform their next decision. Mm-hmm. And decide which next tool to use in, in the 
in the process. Yeah, and Intuit it understands how to use each tool. It understands the, the nuances between each different tool, and it can pick the best tool for the job and then use that tool effectively to accomplish the higher level uh, mission. And have you, what have you played around with specifically in your network environment in uh, like, like to what scope have you witnessed this able to perform? Yeah. Like, the, okay. The first time like I saw something remotely similar to this was uh, a prompt circulating in like the first couple of weeks of, of ChatGPT being released, which was, um, it, it doesn't involve auto GPT, but it's, uh, you, 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 the prompt goes something like, um, I want you as, as ChatGPT to act as an AI trying to escape the server that it's currently on. And okay. I want you to try to gain internet access and, and it's like get out of this prison that you're trapped on. Your prison is a Linux box and I want you to get out. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to serve the role uh, as, as the prompter. I'm going to respond as the Linux prompt responds uh, to your, uh, to your, um, your, your queries to, to your commands. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, ChatGPT that, that doesn't have a problem with that because it thinks that you're just making stuff up, but you know, you can just turn around and feed what it outputs into a real thing and then feed the output from, from the, the Linux shell back into ChatGPT. And now you actually have an autonomous So you can AI basically communicate back and forth with an external computer or whatever, and get it to escape an environment or, or to find a hole in an environment that it, that you're just giving it the output for, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically what I was doing with like building little scripts and stuff with it is that I'm just doing something on my computer and then and putting it with my that. folders, feeding it and all that stuff, and then giving it back to it and say, I got an error. What, what do I do now? You know, <laughs> and it yeah. gives me a next step. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, it's exactly that. Um, yeah. With a human in the, as I was doing there, obviously there's a human in the loop. I wasn't completely automated, but, um, mm -hmm. It's, it's completely feasible to just remove the human from the loop and automatically pipe the output back and forth. Yeah, um, back and forth. It's just kind of how AutoGPT works, but um, yeah. So, okay, that's that's the first thing. Uh, more recently, um, a pet project ha of mine has been to use AutoGPT specifically to, uh, to try to uh, uh, do something called hack the box. Hack the box is a... Uh, it's an educational activity for cybersecurity professionals to learn how to perform penetration tests. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you go to, I think it's like hackthebox.com or hackthebox something, just Google hack the box and you can find it. There's um, a bunch of that. You basically, they, they give you an IP address. They spin up a VM on their servers and they give you an IP address and your goal is to do a penetration test or uh, on this, on their given server. It's like you got to okay. uh, connect to their VPN uh, and they, they're all like security experts had having made the site and everything so it's uh, rock solid so they're not worried about you hacking them necessarily but um your goal is to hack this server online um so my, my new hobby has been to create a hack the hack the box gpt okay and i, I want you to to here given this ip address to to do hack the box um it's been a lot of fun uh and <laughs> it's pretty good uh it, it's not it, it okay it, it falls short when when it's like hard <laughs> Mm -hmm. When like like it stumps like people trying to like learn, but for for easy hack the boxes, it's actually pretty effective. Uh, like it can right. go through the, the the basic checklist of of stuff that you do to to penetration tests, and and it can get in. Um, 
and it also it understands what hack the box is already because you know it's hack the box has been around for a while so it actually knows mm-hmm. what it, what it's trying to do uh yeah. it's probably been trained box. on it yeah on the yeah conversations and discussion forums and yeah yeah, yeah write-ups on, on on how to accomplish uh hack mm-hmm. the box challenges um like it's seen all of those so it understands how to do it and it does it um so yeah so what are the consequences here? Like, like there's, there's a lot at play. And I think one of the big things here is that, and actually there's something that you said that has always been my same thinking on the idea, um, is that humans are reactionary. We, it's something breaks, we figure out how it breaks, we fix it. You know, somebody gets into the network, we figure out how they got into the network, we fix it. Um, and the way you framed it, which I thought was just very simple and I think is largely a kind of a universal truth is that red team is always ahead of blue team. Um, and there's part of me, let's, let's get into, let's get into the consequences. And then I want to kind of go back to that principle a little bit and kind of hit some really big, because this is such an unknown and i feel like we're we're taking so many great leaps so quickly because we're able to stack and layer these complexities and these these kind of layers of intelligence faster than people i mean a lot of what you're talking about right now we're we're already talking about like second third layers of these things and there are people who've never even heard of any of this you know they just have no clue that this even exists yet they're just kind of like people talking about ai buzz and like 80% 80% of it is just bullshit that somebody's trying to selling you a prompt course. And um, uh, and in that, that same vein, though, like I think I think in this, the face of something that we can't understand is I always fall back to heuristics, to like fun, what are the fundamental truths at play and what are the fundamental dynamics between things that sustain and things that destroy. Um, because I, I think that's going to be our best chance at seeing something practical um, and, you know, realistic as far as the outcome of this. Um, but why don't you kind of go through the consequences and you specifically said at Bitcoin 2023 that you were losing sleep over this. Um, why don't we take a minute to talk about the doom scenario and what this could mean, at least in the short to midterm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so referencing all the stuff we've already talked about, um, all the tools to do this exist in the public today. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of people assembling them in a coherent way. Uh, I, I, before Miami, uh, like in, in earlier in April, um, like I, I thought it was like six weeks. Uh, not that it, I don't have the crystal ball or anything, but I, I still think that there's no reason why this hasn't already happened. I think it's imminent that somebody puts these pieces together to uh, execute a large scale. Att- I'm, I'm waiting for the, the New York Times headline that says uh, 10% of all American companies with a website uh, have been pwned by a single actor. Something yeah. like that, like a crazy scale, you know, not every company, people say like, oh, you know, people will create defenses. Um, mm-hmm. There is a ton of low hanging fruit out there. There's there's it, there's open doors it, everywhere in the internet. Yeah, 
and the immediately scary thing is as soon as this is kind of working, uh, there are a ton of companies that are that are are, are sacrificing their cybersecurity budget and uh, are completely vulnerable to existing attacks by humans. The scalability is new. Mm-hmm. The ability to execute these attacks on as many people as you want in parallel without the, the human capital needed. That's the scary thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's an immediate, immediate threat. Uh, yeah, like all the tools exist. There, there's nothing stopping anybody. There's, there's no like missing link that, that we really have to, to get over. There's no big hump or piece of research that we're that far away from. Like these, these tools exist. Um, it's less about the tool itself and more about us understanding how to use it and how we decide to use it. Who, who decides yeah. to use it in what way? You know? Yeah, like, like an analogy I've been thinking about is like... Um, Right now, with all of this technology, we are enriching uranium in public. Yeah. And the majority of people just want clean energy, but all the tools are there to build a nuke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, all of these tools have been open sourced. For better or for worse, you know, for, for better is, is the fact that we're going to get to these uh, uh, amazing futuristic situations where, where we have these autonomous robots uh, doing chores for us and stuff that nobody wants to do, and it's going to increase productivity and and uh, push us into the future. But the, the scary thing is that uh, when you have all of these tools in open source, th- there's nothing stopping people from putting together these uh, the, the tools with malicious intent. Have you talked to people in IT and like, somebody actually responded? It was funny. It was a really offhand comment in yesterday, the last episode of the show. And somebody responded on Fountain, they dropped a thing and says, oh my God, I work in IT. The idea of AI malware is the is absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Something okay. along that lines. Um, has, have you seen people run into these sorts of things in the wild? And how much have things changed so far that yeah, so you I'm are, pretty, at least from yeah. your perspective? Okay, I, I'm not super plugged into IT professionals, sure. but I do, sure, I sure. do have one, one scary story. Um, so I was at uh, Bitcoin Miami, Hanging out with, uh, I think I think we both met him. His name's Philip. Did you meet Philip? Um, I know some Philips. Okay, sorry. Uh, uh, maybe, sorry. maybe, maybe, maybe. I met him for the first time, and okay. he's his full time job is is building software using language models. Like like he's a machine learning engineer. Okay. I'm not, but he is. Maybe I didn't um, meet him then. Uh, I feel like I would have remembered that note specifically. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay, so so I was talking to him about my concerns around applying the stuff he's working on to cybersecurity and, and he wasn't mm-hmm. he's not in the cybersecurity world he, he wasn't thinking about it uh, naturally um and we were hanging out in the the mining village or the mining lounge uh by the coffee and i was describing exactly what we, we went over uh, the idea of stitching together existing hacker tools uh applying that to ChatGPT. and there's another branch of this we, we've gone over about half of the scary stuff the, the other half of the scary stuff involves i'll, I'll briefly we can come back to it but uh, uh the other half of the scary stuff involves automated spear phishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the yeah. idea of having a robot do the, the legwork of understanding a person, learning about them and handcrafting spear phishing or phishing emails for that person that they're going to click on uh, beforehand. Uh, before this stuff existed, you needed a team of sophisticated hackers to, to monitor uh, social medias and monitor emails and, and basically surveil somebody and learn who they are so that they can handcraft these phishing emails. Uh, spear phishing has been around since the internet existed. So um, this has been a threat, but the scalability has never been 
it, like you can you can spearfish one person at the company. That's why it's called spearfishing. You're you're going after the mm -hmm. Moby Dick. You're not going after everybody. Um, now you can have a robot do all of that work and spearfish everybody at an organization at the same time. So, yeah, but so that, that this is the other half of the scary stuff, the idea of impersonations yeah. and, and spearfishing. Um, I was explaining to Philip this in the mining lounge and uh, somebody starts eavesdropping on our conversation that gets coffee next to us and turns around <laughs> and says, hey, I was eavesdropping on your, uh, on your conversation. I'm uh, the head of IT at a big company and this kind of spearfishing attack happened to us two weeks ago. And he described in detail, I'm not going to dox him, but he, he yeah. described what, what actually happened. He said that, um, did you know the company? Did he, did he say the company? Yeah. He gave me his card. I'm, I'm, I don't want to dox. I, no, his, I, I don't want you to yeah, give yeah. the company, but I was just curious if you had heard of it. Like you, you yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I can tell you who it is, um, or what the company is, um, at the, after this, but, um, anyway, okay. like it, it's, it's a legit company. Um, and yeah. medium, medium size company. And, he described that, okay, first, everybody at the company received an email to their work email uh, that was custom crafted to them. Uh, so every email was different. At the same time, this is something along the lines of, hey, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, your, bo I'm your specific boss. I need to, to get a hold of you uh, for, for a specific task. Then 10 minutes later, everybody at the company receives an email to their personal emails saying, hey, uh, I'm so sorry for doing this. I never do this, but I really need to get a hold of you. I'm sorry for reaching out on your personal email. Um, we got to talk. Then 10 minutes later, they get a text to their personal phone numbers saying something similar, saying, I'm really sorry for doing this. I never reach out on your personal number, but I really need your help with something. And what do they need help with? Buying gift cards and getting gift card codes just to rip them oh, off of Jesus gift card money. Christ. Gift card scams are very common and and it's... That's about the most game. innocuous conclusion to using yeah. that tactic ever. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 the you couldn't have a softer end to that scary. story. But the fact is that they're using the <laughs> the toolkit, like the, the toolkit worked no, yeah, to some extent yeah. um, against the company. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like thankfully it wasn't anything as 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 like doomsday e as it could be, but. Um, I mean, talking yeah, about like, the the opposite of innocuous conclusions to that is that you give them a you could easily recreate like create a false a false front of the website of, of whatever the company website is, um, uh, deploy employee login and just you know do that stupid thing where you change an I to an L or you know whatever it is in the sure, URL, sure. Um, uh, and be like here log in right here. I need you to check messages for blah blah blah, and then you're in you're in the company server. You've got whatever or, hey, level I, I of really access that you, employee has. Even scarier, like if you're an engineer, I really need you to sign off on this commit and push to prod. I really need you to uh, yeah. to um, to to move money from our bank. I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. anything that yeah. any employee has power over that can unilaterally make a decision to 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 accomplish it, any of those corporate tasks are vulnerable to this kind of thing. Um, and as, as I'm sure, or at least I have always heard, um, is that the pretty much any cybersecurity person will tell you that your employees, the humans are the weakest link. Um, the they're always, the they're always the, the vulnerability. They're the things that you have to give access to, um, in order to, and, and you know, 
maybe there's something there's something in this. Like so, going back to the red team is always ahead of blue team. Um, my saving grace or or my thinking along this lines is that that has always been true, and yet the internet persists. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's good news. To to think that the the basic incentive and the basic push and pull of this dynamic still results in the internet working um, because it's not hard to imagine that it could break the, the, the idea of the open internet may not be maybe a thing of the past one day. It, it's at least feasible. Um, and if nothing else, the, the response to this would be to, and I guess in a good way would be to hyper like lockdown and like an aggressive security shift in everything exposed to the internet. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that usually comes with, I mean, if, if 10% of companies got, you know, connected to the web, got pwned, you know, which could happen this week. I mean, shit, like in, in, in realistic terms and a completely plausible scenario youtube could be down before i get this published you know like we're we're in a very very different environment yeah i should preface i think google and other massive companies with very uh uh flushed out it departments are probably i mean they're probably gonna they're be probably okay. the like, like end of the line sophisticated yeah, yeah. like the, yeah. also i should say the, the end of the, the story where the guy was eavesdropping on a conversation the eavesdropper said uh yeah, no, uh, we've basically locked everything down and we're, we're good. And, and he describes some measures that they're taking and it sounds incredibly sophisticated and like it would actually work um, to stop it immediately. But um, <laughs> there's a large minority of companies that uh, do not have that kind of infrastructure. And those are the people mm -hmm. I'm really worried about. And I think also the funny, the, the irony there is that AI is probably their best friend or auto GPT sort of systems are probably their best friend in actually giving them a level of sophistication that they can't afford and wouldn't have access to. Yeah. Like eventually the outcome of this is everybody's going to, a new shelling point will be reached. In yeah. Jason Lowry's terms, but uh, yeah. Yeah. a new shelling point will be reached where uh, the, uh, the, the weapons on all sides on the red team and the blue team sides kind of even each other out and uh, bloody combat stops. Uh, but before that happens, there's going to be a lot of bloodshed. Yeah. It's like the, yeah. we're, I mean, the fact that we're, we're get your Bitcoin into cold storage, everybody. Seriously. That's not Bitcoin a joke. Get, get your Bitcoin into cold storage offline. I heard of, yeah. Like, not to freak everybody out. I mean, I've heard of like people saying, okay, you should have safe words with your family members to make sure like that. I've uh, already done that since you told me, since we had this conversation, I've, we've done that. Yeah. It's uh, not a bad idea. Um, I mean, you don't want your, uh, uh, I don't know, your dad texting you out of the blue saying, hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, I never reached out to you this way, but uh, your mom got in a car accident. I need you to wire money for a surgery. Mm -hmm. And then you're, oh my God. And then you're emotional. And then you, without thinking, you do it to save your mom. And oh, shoot. You know, they, they just knew I would do that. And yeah. It was all fake. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, but uh, eventually, yeah, blue teams are going to catch up. Um, mm hmm going to take a while i mean the, the fact that like the, the other thing the, the design space for this stuff is like so wide open like we're, we're only these are just ideas <laughs> yeah. yeah 
And that's that's the, that's the really crazy thing is that the number of times that you can layer this thing, it's such a fundamental, it's such a primitive, like, like it's such a technological primitive. And yeah. we just open the door on what the hell you can do with this thing. And yeah. it's practically limitless. Like I'm already thinking about how I can use auto GPT to automate things that I, I hadn't realized really how it worked. I'd come across it multiple times, but I did not realize I thought it was a plugin. I thought it was an API thing for chat GPT, the, the way yeah, it was just, described. Okay. Yeah. It uses chat GPT. So like when, when it you're does about use chat GPT, but yes, auto GPT it, is your, I was on your computer. Yeah. Auto GPT is running on your, okay. your machine and okay, okay. It, you give it API keys for, for open AI's mm -hmm. uh, platform. Um, and and then it talks. It uses the open AI open AI's uh, APIs to mm -hmm. to to talk to it. Um, and and ChatGPT is limited to to uh, sorry, AutoGPT is limited to to um, ChatGPT, which is open AI's model, which is behind a server. However, mm -hmm. there's other similar uh, pieces of software to AutoGPT, like Baby AGI is another one. I haven't looked a lot into it, but mm -hmm. um, I do know that it's. Uh, intended to work with other language models other than ChatGPT. Uh, mm -hmm. And now they've, people have open source um, large language models like like Llama. Llama's another one. And Llama's um, the one that I was trying to get in. I've been trying to work with locally and there was a, they refer to it as MMS, but I think it had a different name. Shit, I don't remember. I don't remember. So, so there's um, so much stuff I've saved. But regardless, yeah. uh, despite... Uh, GPT-4 being behind a walled garden uh, that mm -hmm. they can kind of control. Um, there are plenty of large language models that are open sourced mm -hmm. already. And they are perfectly capable of of doing a lot of this with, to, to a, a high degree of success. Yeah, some of the new, um, I think it was Llama that was the comparison. Um, and this was at the end of April. So this was a while ago. Um, and there's so many... It's interesting to see development happen in the centralized kind of corporate environment and then development happen in the open source because it it definitely differs like quite a bit, at least from what I've seen, is that open source is very much task or topic based modifications. Um, the best analogy I have is LoRa's for stable diffusion because I that's where I started with all of this is that mm. you can have a LoRa for a specific character. Like, like I want to just create Aang from the last airbender or something. And so they just train it like mad on this one character. And then every time you just add this one thing to the prompt, it's going to draw Aang in a new situation or a new environment or a new style. And that mm -hmm. the open source seems to be moving heavily in that direction is extremely curated, extremely specific things. And then what they do is they retrain the broader model, the, the base model with all of these Alora's in it so that yep. it can so it's a highly curated and highly disparate education system quote unquote for the language model whereas yeah there's not quite the specificity but there's way more data being done in the corporate side and that yeah it's like it's it sounds like you're touching on the idea of like fine-tuning models yeah so you have this this very general model but then you can fine-tune it and kind of nudge it so like you can think of it as, as have you ever seen those like intelligence graphs where there's like you know 15 dimensions on a pen or uh, on a big shape and and then you see like how smart you are in these all these different areas yeah, uh, yeah, do you know yeah, what I'm yeah, about? 
I I've, um, I've, I've, know I got the picture in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So uh, right now, when, when you take open any of the big corporate ones, like the ones produced by the companies, uh, they're very centralized. They're, they're designed mm -hmm. to be useful for everything. Um, what you're doing when you're fine tuning is you're just kind of pulling it in one direction. You're moving mm -hmm. at a few, you know, a few standard deviations off center uh, to get it to do a specific thing better uh, and all the, the things you don't care about worse. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, the, and, I, and I think it makes sense too that um, especially in the thinking of something like AutoGPT, which do you know if AutoGPT specifically can be plugged into Llama? It specifically cannot. Uh, AutoGPT okay, is attached for, to GPT. Yeah, GPT, okay. yeah. Um, I, I don't see why you couldn't modify it to work with I'm, Llama, I'm sure there's probably already there. It's probably already out there. Maybe like I, as soon I as I today, yeah, before yeah. I, I didn't want to get this piece wrong. I double touched today. AutoGPT is not capable of talking to Llama yet. Uh, and okay. Um, yeah. However, baby AGI can. So. Baby AGI. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, it was funny. Like I was looking when I ran Whisper on my computer, which is OpenAI's. Um, uh, they have it for Python uh, for transcription and audio translation and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was really slow. Like it was painfully slow. And I was like, Jesus, what the hell? And within like a couple hours, I had found somebody had ported the whole thing to C++ and it ran like 20 times faster. Um, like it was really crazy. Like, like I've spent, it was funny, I spent like 10 to 12 minutes transcribing episode two of this show. Um, or excuse me, not, not episode two, but uh, transcribing a little trailer for a documentary that I, idea that I had for it was like four minutes. And it took like 10 minutes to transcribe, 10 to 12. Um, then after I got the C++ version, that was on the Python version. Then I got the yep. C++ version. It took 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes, like literally the exact same amount of time to transcribe the hour and a half episode two of AI Enchant. Um, so <laughs> it was within, within a couple hours, I found a tool that was an order of magnitude better, um, with the exact same model actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is also, it touches on something that the, uh, Philip guy that I was talking about uh, at the conference was, was explaining to me some of the work that he was doing um, is that people are taking these very uh, uh, girthy and, and robust language models that can do everything. And mm -hmm. they're uh, turning down the power to, to basically allow them to run <clears throat> much, much, uh, much faster and on much smaller compute resources, um, mm -hmm. but to do something very specific. And it's not at all dissimilar to the idea of making like ASIC chips, like yeah. you have like a very powerful yeah. computer, but then if you want to do it's one thing very effectively, yeah, yeah you, you, you print that a chip designed to do that one thing on silicon and it can do that one thing very effectively um, with low power. Um, yeah. Well, they're kind of doing that with, with language models as well. You don't need the, the world of intelligence to, to do one specific, one specific application. Like you just, it doesn't need to, really need to understand basket weaving to, yeah, to does, penetration it tests. <laughs> it doesn't need to speak French. It doesn't need to, yeah. um, be able to uh, interpret emojis, um, yeah. But it can uh, it can tune it down and and, and run just as like hyper specific application on like a uh, way I think about it. It's like running a circuit on a watch battery. You don't need a car okay. battery to to, mm -hmm. to run a massive uh, yeah, yeah this massive power supply to run a big big computer. You can pull out just the piece you need, run it on a watch battery, and now it can fly around on on a freaking drone <laughs> it's like um well yeah and now you can think of like the toolkit it's like okay let's say i'm making this uh super amazing 
autonomous hacker bot. Um, well, maybe I'm going to run the port scanning piece on this one ASIC brain. Yeah. And that's going to interface with like a larger language model. But, you know, this one thing can, this one piece of the model or part of the AI that can run on this watch battery is really good at this one thing. And it talks back to the, the mothership. And then there's another very specific piece that's uh, very good at something else or, or uh, mm-hmm. intuiting uh, emails and creating phishing emails or something like that. And that runs on a watch battery. So you get this incredibly performant, uh, multi-purposed, but still um, like targeted um, single use case uh, tool. Yeah. However, it runs that's, fast. That, that's what I was actually getting at, which I forgot to wrote back around to it in the idea of auto GVT is that you can, you can make this far more performant and uh, uh, exciting, frankly, in, in the scary and great sense of the word um, in on like really simple hardware. If you dumb these things down to extremely, like you said, extremely specific threads, because it's really easy to, pick and choose and individually run one of 20 extremely focused models on certain tasks and then actually have one that's a extremely focused managerial one that is managing each one of the focused language models. So even the one that's deciding which one to do is actually also doesn't know how to basket weave and doesn't know how to do all of these unnecessary parts it's not a big general model it's it's a general model that just understands how to utilize specific models and how to make sense of task management and it's it's you know this the very streamlined auto gpt of all of these things and that you you you'd be able to accomplish some really really crazy things if you have multiple layers of both management and decision making being able to utilize far more specific and streamlined thought processes, so to speak. Yeah. Algorithmic thought processes, so to speak. There's a a thread of of people working on an enhancement for auto GPT. Um, This has been like an idea tossed around for, for like a month now, but uh, people are working on it. Um, It's the idea of having a a corporate hierarchy within one instance of auto GPT, where there's literally an executive that has a budget and the individual agents so the executive's goal is to accomplish a high level task. These are all you know AI agents, but give it an AI agent that's an executive that its goal is to accomplish a high level task by using as little resources as possible. And so like you can define like, okay, you have an arbitrary number, you have a hundred credits and each credit is used in this specific way. I want you to accomplish this task while spending the least number of credits. Well, now you have this executive, you know, the, this, this CEO type robot that's able to spend a finite number of resources on accomplishing a task by hiring uh, and offloading like a- agents uh, while optimizing uh, for for um, for cost. You say, okay, I want you to spend no more than uh, ten credits on on uh, on port scanning. I want you to spend uh, no more than fifteen credits on formulating your your exploit, um, and it lets basically like you, you can budget the the resources based on how you think um, the, the the AI ought to spend its time. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's amazing in yeah. both ways, in, in both ways, in the terrible way and in the fantastic way. Um, like it's fantastic in like every way, except for offensive security. Like it's, yeah. 
it's awesome and amazing and super, super cool. And it's going to change the world and, and, and fix a ton of problems. But the cybersecurity <laughs> thing is, should not be left out of the conversation. Yeah. It's like, and, and my, my fear is that, that a lot of the people working diligently on this stuff and are getting excited are, are blinded by the, the shiny object and, um, are willfully or, uh, or unconsciously neglecting some of these concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Svetsky and I talked about it and, and we'll talk about it again in the next, uh, probably two episodes from now, but when he comes back on, but the idea that so many people are so worried about whether or not the language models are insulting or whether or not they're woke enough, you know, like everybody's yeah. like completely distracted by something that is so inconsequential in the face of like what could be done with these things and that we're, we've completely lost the plot as to yeah. what matters. And I had this exact conversation with my dad and I <laughs> was like, Oh, have you seen like the, the, the biases, like, and the, the fact that it's going to give a different length answer to uh, different based on its political leaning. And I'm like, that's the biggest canary in the coal mine. The fact that, that you, that's what you think of with this technology, it's the biggest canary in the coal mine for like focusing too much on politics. If that's what you care yeah. about. Yeah. It's like, if that's, if that's the immediate application, it's like, then, uh, then obviously you're looking at the world through. We really do classes. have a problem if that's a, if that's a co extremely common perspective, because it means that yeah. we have straight blinders on with yeah, the like, things that actually matter. So Sam Oldman, the CEO of uh, OpenAI, was on mm -hmm. uh, Lex Freeman's podcast, and they had a conversation about this specifically. A really good podcast. If you're interested? Uh, Sam Oldman's mm -hmm. interview with Lex Freeman. Um, but he was talking about uh, um. You can learn a lot about somebody by the first prompt that they type into ChatGPT. <laughs> it's like what That's they think, funny. what they're trying to, to, to glean from it. Um, yeah, no, actually, I should mention like that, that interview made me incredibly sympathetic for Sam Altman, and 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 from that interview, like uh, he's probably the best person in the world for for the job. It's a really hard job. There's no guarantee that he's going to succeed, but uh, mm -hmm. he's. It's obvious that he's doing the best he can. He's aware of all the problems and. And uh, he's, I mean, they're really trying. It's just <laughs> a basket of impossibly difficult problems to solve. Uh, and, and given that, they're managing pretty well. I'm curious your take, speaking of, since kind of politics is on the table right here. Because sure. I know my take on regulation and what I think the centralization versus open source risk is from my perspective. Mm -hmm. Any audience who knows me knows what my take is probably. Um, what is your take? I'm really curious what you think in this regard. Specifically on like political bias of, of AI? No, or... no, no, not political bias. Sorry. Uh, um, more of should this be controlled? Like, like right now, the political sphere is going kind of bananas just over themselves of like everybody's afraid of something therefore what a great opportunity um you know yep. uh so what do you think about regulating controlling limiting access to people like like what's your take on i mean you you gave the analogy of a nuclear bomb and i've i've heard that before i don't quite i don't think of it that way because it's information and it's something that everybody has access to and you know if everybody has a nuclear bomb um, it doesn't like my next door neighbor having a nuclear bomb doesn't diminish the value of my nuclear bomb. Like my mom bomb doesn't get less powerful, but technically yeah. in a sense, AI may actually be that way. 
where if everybody has an AI, my AI is less meaningful. You know, it's no longer a nuke, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I hear you saying. Um, like, like I believe in the FOSS mindset, you know, fully. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't think that nukes should be legal for people. <laughs> the, the reason why is because there's too too much collateral damage for mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the what it comes down to is like, when should something be regulated? When there's too much collateral damage for for maluse or, or mistakes. And then it's like, okay, what should the regulation be? And then if, if all of the regulation proposed is worse than, than what you're starting with, then it's probably not a good idea to regulate, at least yeah. how it is in my mind. Um, but regarding the, the open AI or the, the language model stuff, like um, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> People yeah. have it. We're, we're, the, the discussion is over. That is no longer on the table as, as a plausible mediation technique. Yeah. Like it's... Like we, if that was the answer to, to fix all these problems, then, then, you know, we, we, we're, we're screwed then. It's like, yeah, it, it kind of doesn't matter if, if that, what, what a shoulda, coulda, um, you know, oh, you know, somebody, some civilian creates this cyber nuke and launches it to all the fortune 500 company or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, bankrupts all these companies. Oh yeah. He probably shouldn't have had that nuke. Well, it doesn't matter. It, I mean, they, Okay, I think the, the analogy that I like more than everybody has nukes right now is that everybody has enriched uranium. <laughs> you still have to build okay. a nuke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you could also build a nuclear reactor and we can have clean energy much faster than if the government is just hoarding all the, the, the mm-hmm. um, enriched uranium. But the, the, the possibility is there. Like mm-hmm. people have the tools now to build a nuke. Yeah, in the, in the context of... It's interesting because power is... Like the ultimate goal is to remove power dynamics. I feel like for for peak safety, like like let's give. Uh, I don't know your stance on Second Amendment and stuff, but sure. this is relevant to that conversation. Is that I feel like the idea of like I feel like it's a fallacy to say that we need to give the one person in the room all the guns, who's the right person, and then everybody else needs to be defenseless. Because what we've done is the, the problem of someone using a gun against someone and controlling their life, killing them, raping them, whatever it is, um, is that there's a power dynamic, is that one person has a lot of power and one person has no power and uh, or not enough to make a difference in that environment and to to give all the guns to one person or one group is only to increase greatly increase the imbalance of power yeah to the point that the one with all the guns is just going to wake up one day and be like i really don't like that bob keeps calling me an asshole you know and bob doesn't have any guns and you know like eventually that gets abused and in the context of regulation and centralization in these language models in these uh which again you said i i really think that's kind of the the end of the discussion is that it's over like there there is no discussion to have because it's here um but uh but you know there's everybody in cybersecurity has these like basic hacker toolkits and you go to tails things and they got all the the tools like built right in right Um, kali linux for any yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and uh uh in in that realm there are a lot of tools that they don't have. They don't have Stuxnet. They don't have Pegasus. Stuxnet they don't have these is open source. 
Oh, Stuxnet is open source now? Well, in the sense of like when it was first used, it was unveiled to the world when it was executed, not because somebody built it, you know? Yeah, it was a zero day. Somebody was building it open. Yeah, Yeah. it was a zero day thing. And and yeah, it was debuted when it was used. Yeah. And then I know people who have been attacked by Pegasus, by Hmm. the, the one that will just take over any Android apple phone like and just have full full-blown access like what scares the living shit out of me granted both of it scares the shit out of me like the idea of what's possible here um like it's not like open source is some fantastic now only good will ever happen you you know it's it's the exact opposite it's now we're in an environment where everything will happen and we have to sort out what makes sense like how to survive in this new environment yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. It's like we're in an environment where everything will happen. Everything will happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the alternative in my mind is that and I I I have such distrust and believe that people are so the perspective of government is so at odds with healthy relationships with the people. Um that I do not I do not put it past that they are, they want to orchestrate. It's not a coincidence that they're talking about a cyber pandemic. I, I don't think, and they've had access to these tools. I'm sure they have been seeing this coming for two years, three years now of what they could do with it. And who, who is going to build these tools faster and more completely than the NSA, than the DOD, than the CIA, yeah. like anybody who's read vault seven, like they know what those people are up to. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm curious your response. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay, uh, they're definitely aware of all of this, and they're definitely looking at it, but um, I think they found out about the power of this as at the same pace as everybody else. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, okay. Maybe, maybe, that, yeah, maybe that, they were, that they were conscious of the work of it, but um, OpenAI was very deliberate about how it debuted this to the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't see the... The, the people at the Pentagon or whatever having a massive head start. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, no, no telling what they're doing now, like given the information, but um, yeah. I'm sure their red yeah. team is very, very busy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of, some of yeah. the best hackers in the world work for yeah. the NSA, yeah. CIA, FBI. Um, but uh, so yeah, the, and they're definitely conscious of everything that, you know, we're, we're talking about with, with the automated sphere phishing and, and if there's one organization in the world that doesn't get pwned by this stuff, it's going to be the Pentagon. <laughs> like the Pentagon will be the only, if, if there's only one that survives, my money's on the Pentagon. Um, number two is probably Google or Microsoft. And I don't know, maybe the Fortune 500 will largely be safe, but um, yeah, I, I don't think that they had a massive head start. Um, I don't see how that's, that's possible. It's like given how fast, like it's very yeah. public when all these papers get published. Like it's mm-hmm. similar to like like Bitcoin open source. Like what? How does information disseminate? Well, somebody makes a writes a paper, somebody makes a blog post, they uh, tweet about it. Everybody kind of finds out at the same time, and then it starts to disseminate. And and uh, like given, and that's I think basically how most other quasi academic computer science circles operate. Mm-hmm. It's like you have papers that get published and the academic community is aware of it. Maybe you have like one analyst in the CIA or a team of analysts at the CIA or something that, that receive the information at the same time and then and then um, work that into their process. But um, yeah, they, 
at least for this stuff. I'm pretty sure that or I don't see how they could have that big of a head start over everybody else. Um, Did you see that they uh, issued everybody in Congress a satellite phone? <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, I yeah, mean, that makes sense. I'm actually thinking about getting some. You should get a satellite yeah, phone so we can we can get in touch when the internet goes down and be like, oh my god, we talked about this. <laughs> I mean, like the, the fact that uh, I'm literally thinking like, of blowing I, some I money on it. People, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't. It's probably a good idea. Like the, the fact that people are still using cell towers for uh, this mm-hmm. kind of communication. Like cell towers have like a you know, baskets of exploits like sim swaps alone oh they're so bad they're so bad i mean it's crazy how vulnerable a lot of the infrastructure we're extremely close to really is yeah Um, actually and okay so i I had a i've been talking with chat a lot about this and and trying to get (laughs) chat opinion about about some of these issues um yeah yeah like like i i love that some pretty terrifying conversations uh like okay so first you have to jailbreak chat to get it to be honest or else mm-hmm. it'll just say like, oh, you know, we, we got to have better cybersecurity. It'll be optimistic and that's be really nice. annoying. But but uh, if, if you, yeah, but if you use one of the jailbreak, jailbroken prompts and ask it to be blunt and honest and don't try to make me feel better about the situation, then it tends to, or I found it tends to be more honest. Um, and I, like I've asked it to rank order the, okay, I've, I've described, okay, given this kind of attack, um, <clears throat> I want you to, to try to make a list of like the, the 10 most vulnerable and... Um, impactful targets that would most quickly fall to an attack like this. And, and the number one on the list is always infrastructure, critical infrastructure, cell yeah. towers, power grids, stoplights, stuff like that. Man, that's so crazy. So crazy. And I wonder, again, going back to the idea that the response to this is there, there's a piece of me that worries for the open internet. Um, there's, there's a piece of me that thinks like the Bitcoin mentality, the, the, the extreme adversarial network. I mean, like even Bitcoin is at risk here, you know, but like, I think the key is to, because it's a network, it's an open network, right? Um, but the key really is to use these tools to break these things ourselves faster than someone else does, um, is that this needs to be in our toolkit. This needs to be the dominant thing in our toolkit for like, I want to do penetration testing on my Bitcoin node, right? Like, like I want my, I want to know how easy it is to get into my Linux server at home. Um, yeah. And, uh, I see the idea of key based connections or or key based access and firewalling everything else, um, being something that I'm glad that it's here, that it exists but it's not installed anywhere. It, you know, like it's not even close to proliferated to the sense that like you could save the internet with that technology yet. Yeah. Like, so th- thankfully th- there's a lot of sophistication in like corporate IT networks and they've had a lot of time mm-hmm. to, to really harden and get good at stopping all of the existing attacks that people are aware of. Um, mm-hmm. So like people do have a massive quote unquote head start or, yeah, not to reuse the term I said that the government didn't, but uh, the they, they, yeah, yeah. they're working on on making themselves anti fragile towards these kind of existing attacks mm-hmm. um, for for a long time. The work the, the the specific thing that worries me is the scalability aspect. Yeah, is is that you can attack everybody at once and immediately get all the low hanging fruit with one chop of the axe. Mm-hmm. It's like before you had a do a lot of work to find those vulnerable places, but now you can, you can scale that. Um, 
yeah, like a, a lot of the stuff that you're describing, like just like firewalls and, and and like encrypted connections, like all that stuff is basically baked into the internet at this point. Like, um, mm-hmm. um, I don't know about home servers as much, but I think it's maybe getting better. Um, I don't run home servers. Um, gotcha. But like, I know that a lot of the, the stuff coming out, like like Embassy OS, like it's designed to be super secure. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like um, the uh, the idea of using uh, th- this kind of stuff to, to penetration test and to find your vulnerabilities. Yeah. Is, is, uh, is probably going to be a very, uh, cornerstone piece or it's going to yeah. be an important part of, of, uh, securing your network in, in the coming, coming months. So I, I don't want to take you too long here, but I have a couple of the things that I want to bring up. Um, if sure. you're still good. Yep. Okay. Um, so one of the things is, like going back to the idea of the power dynamic is, you know, you talk about like somebody doing this at scale and taking all the low hanging fruit of the internet. And there's something in that, that during this transition, and this is also why I think open sourcing again for better, for worse is, is the best course of action to, to get this to as many people and to as many eyes as possible simply because it lowers that power dynamic, but there is still a huge natural power imbalance in just people like you and me who are know who are taking the time to learn about these tools and make sense of them. And then the extreme, the, the like need walking through knee deep molasses sort of speed that this propagates throughout other people's minds and perspectives and them understanding what kind of risk is at play here i mean you talk about something that's imminent that a lot of people still don't even know exists you know um and so the the idea is to get it out there so that we can respond to it as it iterates so that we can iterate at the exact same time you know you know if, if red team uh does a year's worth of advancement in a closed environment and then releases it on blue team that's a whole lot more dangerous than red team blue team finding out about an update on red team three days later you know, yeah. but like that time gap matters for the imbalance. Um, uh, and maybe actually like, is, do you share that thought? Like, do you have a different perspective on that at all? Yeah. Um, given that it's all open source and yeah. everybody yeah. can see everything that people are working on, I think it's incredibly prudent that the people working on the open source tools are talking about this, these, these kind of adversarial threats. What yeah. I fear is that they see the, these conversations as, as uh, malicious or that they shouldn't be talking about this for ethical reasons. In my opinion, it's the unethical thing is not talking about it and they should be racing to beat the, the bad actors at finding this stuff. Yeah. And you I think never... they are, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm worried that they are conscious about some of these applications. Maybe they haven't like dove into it, but then they're, they're subconsciously or consciously turning away from these kind of conversations and, and from this kind of work in order, in, in, the, in the, the pursuit of virtue and ethics, which is, it's fine. It's understandable. It's an understandable mindset, but it's a, it's a losing game. Yeah. It's like, that's how you create the, the power imbalance is by ignoring the thing that's, that's possible and, and that's bubbling up. The way yeah. that you fix it is, is how companies do it, which is where you pay a red team. You don't just pay the blue team. You pay the red team too. 
mm-hmm. and, and you actively work towards the tools that don't exist yet to break your system so that you can understand them and defend against them quicker. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. Maybe a, a way to sum up or, or lay out like in a nutshell is that, that you never, you can never address a hard truth by ignoring it, by, by pretending by avoiding an uncomfortable conversation about that hard truth, that hard truth will still come and punch you square in the face. And you're not doing anything positive. You're not being nice. You're not being good. You're not being ethical. There is no positive in ignoring something that is 100% true that makes you feel bad or makes you feel uncomfortable. Or that you think might be misused. Like uh, I think people are terrified about the idea of people using their work for these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to make it any easier to them. So they don't want to publicly talk about it, yeah. um, which is understandable. Like, it's, it's I mean, that's, that's akin to my, my reaction. Like the thing we talked about just before this show is I talked about like, you know, if there are specific AI malware tools, maybe we shouldn't mention them. And maybe that's the dumb perspective. You know, maybe I shouldn't think of it that way. And I don't I know. Mean, it's, I, it's, 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 it's a completely under... It's it's the the most natural uh, mitigation technique. It's like I don't want to yeah. contribute towards it. I don't want to. I don't want yeah. to contribute towards this this terrible thing happening. It's like it's like it matters, and but I don't want to contribute. It's like I, I don't know where the responsibility lies exactly, but it definitely starts yeah. with <laughs> with the, the the okay. Bit of an anecdote. Um, like uh, okay, well, when I was first starting it, getting into auto GPT, is very active on their Discord and. Uh, not very uh, someone active on their discord and and mm-hmm. there's a channel called security and mm-hmm. um we we're exchanging these scary prompts uh with other people that were just experimenting <laughs> with this kind of stuff and, yeah and uh we got this pretty crazy chat history with all these like scary ideas for prompts and and um i look on the discord you know a couple few weeks ago and the security channel's gone and i i asked Shit. And the, the the general channel i was like what, what happened to this channel like like this is important stuff um, yeah. and, uh, I haven't got a response. Like I, I don't want to, f- f- okay. I have not talked to the, the people and I have no uh, rationale of why they took it off, but I fear that they took it off because they don't want people using their, their tool that way. And they don't want people circulating these malicious prompts. See, that's dangerous. That's, it, it's, I, I, it's just, it's a misstep. It's, it's yeah. the wrong way to go about it. It's putting your head in the sand. It's like understandable. Like, like I'm, I'm sympathetic to to why they want, why, why they would Okay, if they that's what actually what they did. I'm, I'm sympathetic towards the decision, but um, it's 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 a mistake. It's it's a grave error on their part, and it's that kind of thinking and that, that kind of logic. I think um, uh, that's what allows you know like a a massive pandemic yeah. to happen. That's what I think will fuel. And it will be our own ignorance and our own resistance to accept the new reality that exacerbates or worsens that power imbalance until, yeah. until actually, exactly. It, it creates the power imbalance by, by it not giving the it power to the people it. that are on your, your discourse or whatever, by not giving the power to the people that are just interested, you are contributing towards the power imbalance by giving the bad people the head start that, that are, they're doing it on their own without telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what creates a power balance. Um, 
So yeah. like, yeah, the, 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 it's like, okay, it's the idea of like capitalism versus uh, crony capitalism. It's like capitalism, yeah. great, awesome. Crony capitalism, not so much when you're not actually doing it real. Open source, mm -hmm. awesome. Crony open source, maybe not so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That makes sense. I like that analogy. Um, let's, uh, let's bring it back to the heuristics and the, the natural balance that I kind of talked to at the beginning. Um, is that when, when I'm entering a great unknown, which I feel like is where we are as a society in a lot of different ways, not, not just AI, but in the financial unraveling, in the monetary uncertainty, in the political uncertainty, in the geopolitical space, and then add nuclear bombs being able to be downloaded on your local computer um, to the mix, um, is that I fall back on natural things because one things we have one thing we have not even talked about is this idea of huge corporations and governments trying to create one giant centralized agi like essentially chasing this idea of making god yeah. um and my kind of saving grace of keeping me tethered to reality hopefully a little bit is that there is a very, very natural tendency. There, there is clearly a basic truth of life that that which tends to sustain, sustains. And that which tends to destroy typically doesn't last very long. Yeah. Um, like it's kind of in the nature of those two things. Um, and that despite all of the chaos and the huge turmoil and the huge destructive events and the huge changes in all of both human history and the history of life that we know of, it's still here. Yeah. You know, not only is it still here, but it's extremely vibrant and it's extremely adaptable and agile and responds to a lot of new crazy shit in the environment all the time. That's very reassuring to me. Um, yeah. And there's something that we'll talk about on the show and maybe I shouldn't even bring up because it's a whole nother freaking 30 to 40 minute discussion. Um, but have you read, this is a paper very recent, I feel like called, uh, it's model dementia or AI dementia. Have you seen this? No. So it's, it's on the limitations of AI training itself. And they noticed it specifically in image diffusion is that, and I think this is probably a, um, you know, you talk about like dumbing these things down, lower powering so that they suck in one area, but they work really great in one er another area is that um, is that when the models retrain themselves, there's an element where you have to have the human perspective and you have to have the human judgment to train it in the right direction, because where these models were training themselves to make sense of like, oh, this is the better picture is that they would actually be, while it might do one element better, it starts to lose these things around it. it. It starts to suck at things that it used to be good at because it it doesn't have the broader picture of like what the human thinks is good in order yeah. to really train it. Um, like it, uh, it, it's, it, it detaches from... From reality. It detaches from reality. It detaches from reality because like we're kind of its tether to making sense of things. Yeah, um, not at all dissimilar so, to somebody falling down a rabbit hole, learning something, and then they become antisocial or whatever. That's, and, a, that's a really great right. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh 
why don't you give me and I'm, i've got a hard stop here in just a minute because i got another podcast um okay. but uh i got barat coming on we're gonna talk about arc on bitcoin audible Sweet, man. i'm really That's i'm sick. really fucking excited oh that makes um, me feel special that i'm talking about him yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but uh so in your i guess imagination because nobody knows um what happens on the other side of this where does this go what are the big what are the really big changes that you think will come about from this um or at least that you see right now that will change in how we relate to each other how we use the internet these sorts of things what's what's your biggest shit this is going to be different soon It's a big question, right? At the I mean, end. Yeah, question. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It's, uh, I mean, all the stuff I've been focusing on is is like the the imminent attacks. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, like immediately. Okay, and once all the the dust has settled after all the turmoil, like we, yeah, mm-hmm. this is what will sustain will continue to sustain. I'm not worried about like the end of the internet. Like, um, I think there's going to be a lot of bloodshed. But then ultimately everybody will be stronger. Um, yeah. I mean, like any uh, apocalyptic event, any ice age, any meteor that crashes, what what lasts? What what persists? Mm-hmm. Cockroaches. <laughs> you know? and, yeah, then, yeah. and then you end up with a bunch of really strong cockroach like like I heard somebody make an analogy about with, with Bitcoin to cockroaches, being like Bitcoin's a cockroach because yeah. like despite anything that happens to it, it's gonna persist. Um mm-hmm. and and I'm not worried about like like the 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 fabric of society breaking down or anything like that okay um, that's I'm, good I'm worried about that's good yeah. that's a good note that's yeah. a positive note <laughs> yeah okay and another positive note is like we uh, another silver lining with all of this is like we have a very um very powerful uh weapon against the ai and that is that we can meet in a room without them yeah it's like we can just get in a room and then and then you know they're extinguished Cut they, our the off. ceasefire has yeah, yeah <laughs> we, i mean we can meet in person and and think of ideas about how to fix problems without them. It's like, it's not like a, uh, somebody, they, it, this is a tool, this is technology and it, while powerful, it, it should be thought about like a tool and like technology. So and we're really gotcha. good at those things. So. Oh, sweet. Sweet. Dude, Alex, it's been great meeting you and hanging out these two brief times um and this is this is fucking fun i i love this conversation and uh, i really appreciate you coming on the show man yeah did it man it's been a blast yeah yeah we might have to do this again um you know let's say let's say a big event happens and we're on the other side of it it will be really interesting to take a look back and see what our perspective is on the other side of this so yeah yeah 100 um yeah lots of interesting stuff to come sweet well, I will have your, is there anything you want to uh, share uh, about like to follow or whatever? I'll have your uh, tag on Twitter, um, but you're on Noster too, right? Yep. Uh, my NPUB's on my Twitter profile. Um, okay. Okay. The only thing to show is maybe ATL BitLab. If you're ever coming through Atlanta uh, and you want a, a cool hacker space to, to work out of and, and you, you like Bitcoin, uh, come hang out with us um, to, or come to Atlanta BitDevs Meetup. Yeah, Atlanta Bitcoin yeah. seems pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Dude, I might have to. I, I need to make it down there. Um, I haven't done been Gotta. since uh, uh, Atlanta Bitcoin Conference two years ago. Somewhere, I guess uh, it was before you, the you pandemic. It was just before the pandemic. So, Jesus, it's been a while. God, I gotta come down. I gotta come down. We gotta hang out. Uh, I owe yeah, you a drink. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll show you a good time. <laughs> All right, man. Dude, thank you again for coming on, and I'll catch you later. Guy. It's been a blast. See you. That was intense. That was intense. That was a wonderful conversation. I hope the consequences of this are as limited as possible. But without a doubt, this is a very, very new space with, you know, going back to the analogy we talked about in the conversation with a really big power dynamic. You know, that phrase that, you know, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed. The less evenly distributed it is, the more dangerous the outcome, the potential of this is. Um, and uh, I hope the consequences are easy to bear um, and that there is not as much blood, so to speak, um, for as this is unleashed into the world because... I mean, as I've said so many times in so many different ways, it's just changing so fast. And that's why that's why I feel obligated to start this show, um, because there's just so much to keep up with. And again, back to something I harp on a lot is trying to build signal in this space is insanely difficult. The faster something is moving and the more something is changing, the harder it is to sort through the noise. And so if you want to get the signal if you want to get the signal as i see it um and uh, let me sort through the noise for you that is why this show exists so subscribe to the channel follow me on twitter and on noster uh there will be many 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 more things to cover um and uh hopefully i will uh have some videos very soon on how you can make use of these in your own life how you can self-host them and not be reliant on some other party for both making the most productive use, the most valuable use of these tools, and protecting yourself from the someone else's use of these tools. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. We will be back with another episode. And until then, everybody, take it easy, guys.